Hello, I'm Tucker. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carr. <laughs> that was pretty bad. Uh, Sorry, Carly. Poor Carly. Poor Carly. Okay. Well, yeah, so we're filling in. I'm Michael. I'm Christian. We, uh... We we do stuff with Tucker pretty frequently, podcasty stuff, uh, mm-hmm. the Double Jump podcast, which I think we renamed. We did rename uh, the XP Bar podcast, and um, I've sprocketed with him. You've socketed with him. We're no strangers so around these parts. Video games, music, you name it. Mm. Speaking of video games, Christian. Mm. Uh, our theme today, or at least the the... The theme that I had tried to come up with was to try to frame this around Yakuza. Um, mm-hmm. I know you've been kind of troopering through the games. It looks like you're still going through them. Still trying. Yeah. Um, I've started them at one point. They're enjoyable. but uh, So the theme was going to be kind of built around that. This idea of oh, what I was trying to aim for was like, what are some of the maybe themes and stuff that these games have kind of played with what what's kind of the palette they're working with totally and then what does that look like in film and so for the most part most of these movies are kind of like your your classic yakuza films um obviously there are probably going to be some holes and stuff but generally the 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 hope I was the the hope I had was to be able to try to get at some of these themes that might pop their head up in yakuza some of the stuff that those games might be playing off of so like these ideas of this honorable this yakuza as an honorable masculine figure versus some kind of colder harsher reality how those kind of play with each other um some of the different visual cues you'd get some of the different conflicts that you'd get and then on top of that, what that ultimately looks like in a game when that game, well, what that ultimately looks like when that becomes a game and then that game becomes a movie because we also plugged in the the Yakuza like a dragon film. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where you were kind of hoping or where we might start with this. Um, we also watched the Fist of the North Star movie and I kind of want to plug that in at the end because it feels so... <laughs> so out there <laughs> totally and so yeah but but i mean the idea there was that this this then they took the yakuza games and turned made a fist of the north star game out of them and i'd love to talk to you about that in general too but there's also the movie and i mm, that's a a thing absolutely so i wanted to thank you michael for recommending all these movies because as a layman as someone who is not hip with the weeb stuff (laughs) i don't watch a lot of japanese film and excluding i think the samurai movies that i watched in preparation for ghost of tsushima i think i've watched more japanese language films in the past week than i have in the entirety of my life which is nuts and so that being the case i had no idea what kind of movies i should watch or where i should even begin if it came to understanding some of the roots of the video game yakuza franchise let alone like figuring out which Yakuza movies are the good ones or which ones are considered what Tucker likes saying, the quote unquote canonical ones. It's a lot harder. It seems to find like a canonical list of Yakuza movies than it is to find a list of samurai movies. 
I think like I Googled top Yakuza movies or whatever. And one list that I, one listicle I found was like 30 movies long. And it's, it read like something was just chucked into Google translate. It was a lot of broken English and I didn't understand next to any of it, but thank you, Michael, for (laughs) recommending some solid Yakuza movies. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I feel like a part of that is I think back in the sixties and seventies, you had this, this, it, I think it's kind of strange that this was the case, but it was the samurai movies that really crossed over to the West in a way yeah. that I don't think Yakuza movies did, um, which is why it's easy for people, for like Western film goers to be able to point to things like Seven Samurai, Rashomon. Um, those are the two that immediately come to mind that probably have a bigger Western audience. But mm-hmm. I, think, I think that lexicon's there and I think it helps that then movies like Good, the Bad, the Ugly or... Uh, Star Wars really tried tapping into that, mm-hmm. translating that. So there's more of that 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 DNA within Western cinema that it's easy to point to. And I don't think Yakuza ever really had that same root. So it's a little harder looking from the outside in because it's just that familiarity isn't there. And I yeah. think I was in the same boat as you. I went looking for like, what are the Yakuza movies I should be watching if I wanted to get into Yakuza movies? I mean, obviously, there's there's going to be these these uh, Kurosawa ones we could point to, but aside from that, it's like it's a it's 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 something that people just aren't really going to know. And I didn't really I had a hard time. I found a lot of like yeah, thirty movie lists that were not so. And it's like you should watch this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, and it's going like yep. talking decades of films and and there are all these crazy names like Battles Without Honor and Humanity and. <laughs> and absolutely one word japanese movies um yeah and it was it was hard to really make sense of and so i kind of just started plucking out of a hat honestly to some degree uh so for the ones we picked um i think i'd recommended one kurosawa movie and not necessarily the one that people typically turn to but one of his first or one of his first real forays with the yakuza genre um which really drunken angel was one of his first films period uh, I don't know if it was no, it wasn't one of his first because he was making movies back before the war. And, oh wow! But it's one of those ones that I think really starts getting into one of the first. It's his first movie with Toshiro Mifune, who's mm-hmm. who goes on to become you know his star essentially yeah. in everything. And it's also one of the first ones that I think you really start playing with with these kind of masculine heroic characters in Japan, and then pushing them into some kind of reality which that reality is the post-war mm-hmm. japan and I, it feels like that becomes kind of a reoccurring theme it's i think something that a lot of japanese movies deal with especially around this time a lot of kurosawa movies i think deal with that and the way mm-hmm. they kind of interrogate the samurai and interrogate some of these more traditional japanese um um, um archetypes and Drunken Angel was kind of his first. It's, I don't think it's his most popular. I think High and Low might be in that might be in that place or uh, Stray Dog, but it's the one that I that always kind of stuck out to me as being like this. Yeah, there's this the situation where you have this character who's like your gear. I don't want to say heroic, but uh, this this guy who kind of has a sense of honor uh in in Toshiro Mifune's character or at least he wants to try to redeem himself versus totally. the the this more sinister reality and also more sinister yakuza characters and i think that was kind of 
that tension I was hoping to get at. Cause it's something I think you can kind of see in, at least in my experience in the games for Yakuza, like for Yakuza zero, it's some, one of those things that I think is noticeable when you get Kiryu and Mishima, um, Mishima versus well, Majima, I'm sorry, Majima. And then you get these, these other folks who are more into like the money, the sleaze, the, yeah. the violence, the yelling things at each other while ripping off each other's shirts and exposing back tattoos. And yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Michael, uh, post-war Japan. Yeah. It seems like after watching these movies, at least in a couple of them, it seemed like the end of world war two seemed like a pretty big delineating event when it came to Japanese culture, or at least the happenings in Japan at the time. And mm -hmm. I don't watch movies that are this old very often. So maybe it's just because I don't, you know, I haven't seen a lot of movies that have taken that were made within the time frame of world war two or around it. But is that, is that the case in Japanese culture where the end of world war two was a little more significant to them and their people than it was to us in the U S I think that's a really good question. And I don't know if I can comfortably answer that. I can't answer that with the kind of authority others obviously can. No I think it's something you definitely see, though. It's definitely something you see in movies from that time period. I mean, this is when you get a lot of this. This You get stuff like this. You get stuff like, uh, oh, I can't think, Hiroshima Miyamore or Monomore. Ooh, and it's like this. That sounds sad. What's that about? It's very sad. It's like it's 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 one of those movies that feel like it's contending with, particularly the nuclear side of the war. Hey, I mean, this nice. is this is the only time a country has ever actually been bombed by a nuclear weapon. Mm -hmm. um, you're going from basically the high of Japanese of Imperial Japan, which is going to be this fervently nationalist period of time. And obviously, there these aren't absolute truths. There's obviously nuance to these things, but. Uh, at a time when Japan was the power, one of the powers in Asia, it was a lot of that was being fueled by this, these nationalist sentiments tapping into imagery like the samurai and, and such. Um, and then that's basically wiped away. They lose this war. I think you're probably talking, I'm going to look up a number quick, but I'm pretty sure you're talking basically a generation gone. Jeez. Or not gone, but you're talking that that's that's kind of a national trauma you have to think, and then to totally. be afterwards to be occupied by the winning power, uh, the U.S. occupation that never really ends. I mean, we still have bases there, so that's got to be, you know, that's that's transitional if anything, and then traumatic in ways, um, yeah, that I think still exist today, and some kind of reflections you see in. In, in Japanese politics, like inability to admit certain war crimes and stuff like that. I think it can probably stem back to that trauma in some way. Yep. Um, and it's I don't also even know. Go ahead. Well, I mean, it's also something that you're going to be seeing reflected in stuff like even Godzilla. Oh, um, yeah. A lot of the original Godzilla, not up, up, a lot of the original Godzilla stuff is going to be directly as a result of that kind of experience of being the only country actually bombed with a nuclear weapon and then that kind of unique perspective on the nuclear age yeah i can't even imagine how you would rationalize or reckon with the fact that you could have known hundreds of people who one day were living a fine life and then boom are gone and are no longer you know existing on this planet yeah 
And that's way different from the U.S. perspective, where the majority of people who died were people who were soldiers and people who you knew were putting their lives in danger. Whereas in Japan, they just murdered innocent people out of nowhere. That's insane to me. Like, well, I, can't, I, mean, I can't cope with that just in my own brain. I can't imagine what it would have been like for them at the time. So I'm looking at numbers right now, and I mean, you're talking million like you're talking millions of people died in japan both civilians and uh let me find a good number here i had a number uh yeah between 20 uh, yeah 20 2 million soldiers between 2 million and about two two and a half million soldiers and then two and a half to three million civilians died in the war and Mm -hmm. that's that's generational that's that's lasting that's not something that you just kind of get over Mm -hmm. so then to kind of deal wrestle with that wrestle with that kind of toppling from being being this what people would look at as a modern nation as a as a a superpower in a way one that kind of tapped into that to try to present itself as a superior nation to kind of have that 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 kind of that kind of that 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 shock has to is going to have definitely have an effect, and I think you see that in a lot of the movies we actually looked at for this. Absolutely, um, two in particular I think stand out, but I think it's something that's going to probably bubble up here and there, no matter what. Um, so yeah, what do you? Uh, this is probably before this. Have you seen any kind of yakuza movies? Had you seen any kind of? I mean, what was your experience with this idea of what a Yakuza is? Zero. I had seen zero of them. I had no knowledge of them. And I guess uh, the first one of the movies I used to like that I watched was the Yakuza Papers, Volume 1, Battles okay. Without Honor and Humanity. Yeah. And that was kind. Of, that kind of was a very good, I think, first stepping stone, because mm-hmm. that was probably the closest analog to, like, Goodfellas, except in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so that gave me kind of like an analog of something that I I had seen in the past, something I could map to like something similar in the U.S. onto, you know, these crime families in Japan doing similar drug selling and, you know, stuff around the Japan area. Yeah, because you get into a lot of that, like, I feel like you do get in a lot of stuff that's pretty typical for just gang movies in general. You're your your clear power structures oh you serve the boss but then there's infighting under the boss there's mm-hmm. you get a lot of that that gang politics that i think yeah you get in stuff like goodfellas you get in stuff like the godfather mm-hmm. things that that have a very direct analog to the u.s but they also centered on a very specific time in japan you definitely get a lot of that you get you get some of the touchstones of what i think the popular image of yakuza are you know the 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 flamboyant tattoos and you're cutting your finger off to serve yeah. your your boss the stuff that like that that bubble that definitely is in in the yakuza games and stuff like that definitely kind of stays within the the popular image of the yakuza as well as just popular image of like gang movies in general yes do you want to talk about battles without honor and humanity specifically yeah let's do that yeah yes uh what'd you what'd you think about uh this movie overall michael it's a little more grizzled in Japanese <laughs> cinema. I really, really, really liked it. I I loved it. It was kind of, I felt it was kind of hard to follow at times just because they're throwing a bunch of different names at you and 
Okay. Especially in that beginning section where it's just like, here's a name. And it's like, you're wondering, yes. do I, do I have to remember these people? Do I have to remember Sakai? Do I have to remember Ueda? Do I have to remember, oh, I think Wakasugi or Wakasugi? <laughs> Wakasugi. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's just hard to, to keep up with all of these names and stuff, keep up with all of these, these faces. And that's not something that is just, I, I don't think it's just because it's, it's, it's foreign it's it's a foreign language like the names yeah. are in a foreign language it's it's that's something that if you did that in a in, in like american movies it's hard to do too and hard to kind of keep up with that kind of that kind of stuff but Thank as far you for mentioning that and giving me a scapegoat because yeah. i certainly didn't understand yeah. <laughs> some of what was going on there well yeah because then it's as it's definitely you start hitting it the the movie strides and they start these names start popping up again it's like who's canada well canada actually went to the Doi uh, family because the Doi family to replace uh, I think it was Yamagata I don't remember which one who went over to the the this family and it was hard to kind of keep up with I think a lot of that and I don't think that's I I I, I wouldn't say that that's anything that you could be held against any moviegoer because I think it's genuinely hard to keep up with all of that yeah. The movie um, starts like really fast. Yeah. You just start and like the the way that the action is framed is like really raw. The camera, it seems like they go handheld for all the action stuff because the camera is just like right up in people's grills and it's moving around all over the place. And especially in that opening sequence, there's just people everywhere. Mm -hmm. There's so many people, which is insane. That's something that I noticed in a lot of these Japanese movies, or at least some of these earlier ones, is that there's just so many people. And I feel like there's that doesn't happen a lot in the U.S. movies, because I don't know if like regulations are different or something. But in my mind, it seems like every single person who's on screen in a U.S. movie has to like sign a form. They have to get paid. <laughs> they have to be in the credits at the end. And then I feel like this Japanese uh, filmmaking is more raw and it almost feels more real to mm -hmm. me because of that. Because there's just people everywhere. Yeah. And, and that was, nuts. I think that was something that, because that was actually the case in Western cinema for a while. I mean, when you start getting to like those epics, like Alexander the Great and uh, Ben-Hur and stuff like that, those that's like, there are these huge audiences and stuff. And those are all live action extras. Those are people. Jeez. And I think we just kind of walked away from that after a couple of those movies bombed. I think it was Cleopatra that actually bombed spectacularly, but don't quote me on that one. And but yeah, it's it's chaotic. It's I mean, I feel like you're jumping between different bits of violence that are happening. You have one character <laughs> who stops a rape, another one yes. who cuts off two people. Yes. Cuts off a In guy's the first arms. few minutes, we watch a woman get raped and two guys get their arms chopped off. That's freaking insane. Yeah. And it's in the way, like you said, it's kind of like a handheld camera. It's very kinetic. It's dynamic. It's in everyone's faces. It's hard to keep up. But at the same time, it's in a, that way i feel like it's very engaging too like there's an energy to everything going on yeah there's like you're going from place to place it feels as chaotic as though you were there um i think the rape is i, I feel bad kind of bringing it up but i think it's kind of worth mentioning in that we're talking about kind of a national like if we're if we're talking post-war japan and the occupation and stuff Eesh, like yeah. that i think it's very it's it's it is i think kind of important to note that the the filmmakers here thought it was uh, important to kind of have that 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 occupation referenced in that way um because that's still an issue you have today you still have issues with with uh americans on these military bases getting um sneaking off and 
and you still have cases of sexual assault and stuff that come up murder sometimes comes up yeah. and it's, it's it bleeds to tensions there and it it kind of i think feel adds to this 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 is how powerless japan is now this is yeah. how we are occupied things are bad people are poor there's a black market mm-hmm. um soldiers are probably getting away with rape and yeah. and the that guy was an who, interesting little nugget because they were like He's a GI. Don't screw with him. Leave him alone. Yeah. Let him do yeah. what he wants to. Like they make a point of mentioning that. Yeesh. And, um, but as far as like a setup goes, I think it's great to kind of show how, you know, chaotic things are. And then that's kind of how these, these families start forming. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Cause this um, movie takes place uh, right after world war two. Is that right? Yeah. Immediately after the war and actually in Hiroshima, which is a big deal because that's one of the two cities that is, uh, it is bombed with an atomic weapon and yeah. that's one of those yeah. ones that are going to have that that post-war gravitas in that way and and like this is going to be one of the communities that are heavily affected by by uh the u.s targeting of civilians during mm-hmm. the war yeah um, i thought that time period was interesting too because and, and it never stood out to me that this was obviously 1940s 50s japan because the movie was made in the 70s and like mm-hmm. the filmmaking is like stands up today surprisingly well. So yeah. it and I'm not familiar with the technology at the time. So this could have been like 80s, 90s. And I don't think I would have known. Yeah. Very fascinating. Yeah. It's like very like visually, it's very crisp. The colors and stuff are really strong. The like it looks like a modern film. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's. Because I thought the same thing, but I don't know how much of that was maybe it was I watching like a totally. a remake, like a digital yeah. restoration of some kind or something. But it looks really like that, and I think that's I kind of want to touch on that because I think some of the like some of the 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 coloring and stuff like that, some of that that comes through because of how crisp it is. Some of that that stuff. Uh-huh. I think it's you talking worth... like the blood, how red the blood is, or what are you talking about? Not like how red the blood is, but like how I, I think color is important in this movie in a way. And I don't mean just the blood, mm. but the blood, yes. But I mean like how drab everything is and yeah. how like how drably colored it is, but it's still like it's sharp. Like the browns are brown, the blacks are blacks, the the mm. dirt's dirt, the the you get the the red's a little hokey it's got that 70s cinema blood thing going yeah. on but the like everything else visually like it it has a a visual theme i think to it in that way and like i it it does look good like it is a good looking movie yeah i agree yeah uh, the cinematography is definitely something that stood out to me because like i mentioned Whenever there's action, it seems like it'll just instantly cut to handheld or like sometimes it seems almost seamless where the talking shots are very stationary, which mm-hmm. I appreciated, especially after that opening where it's just mass chaos and yeah. tons of people everywhere. But once you start getting to, you know, mob boss talking to underling, it's just very nicely framed static camera shots, maybe some sweeping movements. But as soon mm-hmm. as like someone whips out a gun or a knife or something, then the camera just yeah. instantly starts moving in. Very interesting. And I liked that dynamism to it. I liked mm-hmm. how he switched between the two a lot. Yeah. And it is very, I think it's important because I like how in a lot of those talking scenes and stuff like that, it is still 
Like, it's not a situation where, you know, it's close up of character one face yeah. saying something, and then other person has something to say, so it's close up of character two face. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's like you get a lot of, of characters talking to another character on screen. Yeah. Um, kind of like a Kurosawa thing. Ooh. And I don't know if that's exclusive to Kurosawa, but it's something I've definitely noticed with Kurosawa movies. Yeah. Um, and I feel bad kind of referencing Kurosawa all the time when talking about Japanese movies because I don't actually think that that's yeah like he may be like in the West he may be the Japanese cinema totally maker cinematographer or the, the Japanese filmmaker I don't think that's mm-hmm. going not to necessarily be representative of bread and butter Japanese cinema you're saying yeah and I don't necessarily think it's fair either to Japan cinema writ large to always be talking about it within terms of what Kurosawa does but it is something that I've noticed here where you you do have like the conversations are filmed in a dynamic way like you have someone off kind of in the back maybe out of focus or not Mm -hmm. but there's there's those conversations that happen and I think it's more engaging than 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 you know kind of the just the the rote back and forth yeah um how did you feel about just kind of the plot as it was happening though what kind of were you kind of i guess what did you think of everything that was kind of going on yeah it was like i mentioned the opening moments very difficult for me to understand exactly what was happening let alone figure out who our main character exactly was mm-hmm. but as soon as i kind of got my got my footing so to speak because at the beginning we follow this dude who's correct me if i'm wrong he just gets out of the war I think he just so. gets done with World War II, and then he ends up in like a bunch of crazy circumstances in jail, and then ends up being a cellmate with a Yakuza dude. And then Yakuza dude basically agrees to get him out of jail if he helps him get him out of jail. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up wrapped up in all this Yakuza stuff. I think once he gets to the jail, that's where I kind of f- found my footing, so to speak. And that's when I was like, okay, this is our main character. Yeah. This is our guy who's getting initiated into the Yakuza. And then I think soon after that is the pinky cutting scene. And mm-hmm. that's that's kind of where I was like, all right, I'm in this. I'm liking this. And yeah. I was with him on his journey that he was taking. <laughs> the pinky cutting scene was... I like how they kind of threw a little bit of comedy in there too. Yes. Like, oh, I love that. <laughs> like, so where much. did the pinky go? Oh, oh it's I with the chickens. So yes, Yakuza did something. One of the video games did something similar, where okay. it's dude cuts off his pinky and then gives pinky to uh, leader or uh, uh, mob boss, Yakuza boss guy, and then he's very dismissive. He's like, "Oh, you didn't have to do that. I would have." you know, taking a simple sorry or whatever. That's exactly <laughs> what they do here. But in, in addition to it, like the buildup to it is also hilarious because the boss's wife or whatever will be like, oh, I saw someone do this in in, in like the Osaka. capital. I think she yes, said Osaka. Osaka yeah. yeah, I can show you. I can I could tell you how to cut your pinky off. And then everyone's gathering around because they want to yeah. see him cut his pinky off. Yeah, it's so good. I loved it so much. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's yeah. And um. How do you so now that then you get to that point where you've got an idea of who the characters are, who the main character is? Um, I think one of the things I kind of want to talk about because if we talk about one of the things I think Yakuza tries to do, the the game series tries to do is it yes. tries to kind of hone in on these this idea of a code, this idea of uh, gangsters with honor, yeah, um, and kind of you know, with, with Kiryu kind of taking on that position. And then they throw Kiryu against 
all manner of people who are in some kind of political power grab, people who are in, who are in this for the corruption, people who are in this for the money, the fame, the, glo- uh, the glory, the ladies, the everything. Yep. And I think this you 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 get that here in that you have um, I'm blanking on his name. Was it Shirio or Shorio? I'm not going to be any help to you here, Michael. I'm sorry. Um, Shozo, Shozo Hirono. Okay. The the main character. Um, yes. He's like that. You feel, you get the sense that his his interest here is that he just wants to support his his brothers, and he's here to kind of for them because he 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 recoils at the fact that there's you know infighting now he willingly kind of he does that thing where he willingly gives him he lets himself go to jail to assassinate someone and and for the name for the sake of the boss and stuff like that like you get he's you get the impression he's the classical character he's the one who's in it for the honor Mm -hmm. for what you what you think would be like your heroic image of a yakuza and then the reality around him is that no, you actually have people who are in it for the the. It's the honorable character versus basically the reality, and the reality being that there are these people who are in it for the power. They're going, they're fighting up against each other. You have brothers turning on brothers. Like there's Absolutely. that segment in the middle where it just becomes kind of a, a where things break down, and suddenly yeah. the, you get those pauses where two members of the former Doi mm-hmm. gang die or yep. or three members of this family are wounded severely and then yeah. character named characters start dying too like you get that tit for tat assassination too and mm-hmm. and That's... and that conflict kind of comes to a head when Hirono is allowed out of prison for whatever reason he's his sentence is commuted for some reason yep and he comes into this after that initial conflict has happened. So a lot of the people he knew from when he started are dead. Um, and all that's left are, is the boss. And then the guy who wants to become the boss. And I think it's an interesting kind of, I, I think that's typically like if I was to, without having seen any of these, if I was to say, well, this is what I think a Yakuza movie would probably turn out like it's, yeah. it's kind of this conflict. Yeah, definitely. What I really like, there, there's the time and immediacy thing. There's like the time jumps. And so that was something that I had a really hard time with in Goodfellas or like any movie that has significant time jumps mm-hmm. is that I have a hard time like figuring out what I should put all of my emphasis on or investment in to as mm-hmm. a watcher, because we'll see like sequences that are like 30 minutes of real time. And then we'll just skip a couple of years like nothing happened. And that mm-hmm. can be that can be very frustrating to me, but uh, I really like the benefits that come out of it when it comes to this movie specifically, because like you mentioned, our main character, he performs an assassination for his boss and his boss is like in tears beforehand, just begging him like, oh, thank you so much. I will give you all of my land as soon as you get out of jail. I'll give you all of every cent to my name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And after we hit that time lapse while he's in jail, we get back and he gets back to his boss and his boss is just having more problems. He has more people he wants dead. And I love that those themes of like immediacy and self-preservation mm-hmm. and time where the pressing matter for these crime bosses is just, I want this person dead and my entire life is going to be better. Despite the fact that the fact that they want one person dead means that they're going to want another person dead at some point in the not too distant future. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too in that 
Because you go through that time lapse while he's in jail thinking he did the right thing for his his family. Yeah. Meanwhile, while his family's tearing himself apart. And he gets out of jail and the the boss goes from that kind of groveling, like, I'll give you all my property. Thank you so much for doing this, to here's your monthly stipend. Yeah. <laughs> and it's nothing. <laughs> totally. Here, pay for the dinner while you're at it, too. And I think yep. it's such a jarring... I think it's like a really jarring transition, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. I like that. I like that time-lapse and I like how it just kind of illustrates the reality or I guess this movie's reality of Yakuza and you know, the high, the high ideal and like the low ideal where on the high end, you've got our main character and the low end, you've got crime boss dude who will do anything to keep surviving and keep making his pennies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how'd you feel about the ending? The ending. Oh boy. I'm trying to recall what the ending even was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got rivalry with other family member, right? Towards yeah. the end. We strike up a rivalry with other family member guy. Mm-hmm. And there's like a will they won't they kill each other, which was pretty good. I liked the tension of that. I liked uh the scenes where <laughs> Our main character whips out a cigarette to the guy that his boss just told him to kill. And he's mm-hmm. like freaking out in the in the house because he thinks yeah. he's going to whip out a gun and kill him. I like that theme in these movies where like everyone seems to have a gun in their vest pocket or something. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. good. I like that. I like how whenever someone reaches into their vest, it's like, oh boy, something's going to happen. Yeah, because there's that big, he's, he barges into the room to, you get the impression he barges into the room to assassinate a... Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to say it's Sakai, but it might be Sakai, the one, the the guy who's trying to kind of go rogue from the Yakuza family and start his own branch yes. of the family, and and like the 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 guy's goons grab him, throw him on the bed and stuff, mm-hmm. but then he reveals that the only thing he had in his pocket was it was like a a, a jar, a porcelain yeah. jar or a porcelain piece or something yes. of some kind, and it's yeah, but uh, I think it's how'd you feel about basically the resolution here being him going rogue him renouncing both sides of the family and like that that basically being the the resolution here and and it's not the resolution of the whole series yeah. i think there's like another five other yeah there's another so. five battles without honor and humanity movies but yeah i think i think i knew beforehand that there were multiple ones of these and i think that was a good spot to end a first parter yeah. or at least absent of context. I thought that that was, it was satisfying to me as a viewer to be like, Whoa, stuff's going down. And I think that that definitely set things up to be interesting for mm-hmm. a second entry. There's no, I mean, I have no way of knowing whether or not they capitalize on that. The Yakuza games certainly don't where <laughs> things are interesting right at the end of an entry. And then it's like, Ooh, they might pick up on this, this and this and the next one, but they just do a time lapse and they're like, none of that matters anymore. Forget about it. But that's so sad to hear. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I did like it, though. I, I think I enjoyed the ending. Maybe not. It didn't have the finality of something like a one-off movie would, but I was totally okay with it. What did you think, Michael? I really, really liked it. I mean, it's kind of... It feels like kind of one of those showy ending of an action movie. We don't know exactly how to end this kind of thing. Ah, uh, Things, you know, where he goes... He shows up at the funeral and he shoots the names on the shrine. Because <laughs> he's like, right. they wouldn't like this. You wouldn't like this. That was a little um, weird. Yes, he just whips he out his gun it. and then shoots shoots picture and stuff yeah. sitting at the altar a bunch but of he, times. 
but he does it in a way that makes it so he looks like he like he does it in a way that clearly states, "Look, I'm a threat to yeah this family. I'm a, I'm a threat to the boss now. Mm-hmm. Like you can't do anything about this." Totally. And and I think it's such a because you want, I think you want him to win as a viewer. Yeah, like, that's the impression. I like I wanted him to like show this this asshole boss up because his boss was clearly kind of a scuzzy person. Yeah and he did it and it was it was like satisfying in that way because you could tell it kind of it rattled him and Mm -hmm. it also clearly drew the battle lines it drew it it drew the line in the sand saying look this is this is the conflict now yeah um and yeah i don't know i really liked it yeah thank you for recommending it michael i largely enjoyed it i think my only problems with it were having a hard time figuring out what the heck was going on when there were so many names and people running around but yeah when i did understand what was happening I was in it. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to move on to the next movie then? Absolutely. What, uh, What's how next? are we? How you are we feeling? The next one. I picked battles okay. without honor and humanity. Let's talk drunken angels since we're still kind of in this post-war period. Sure. And um, I'm going to probably not be as helpful in this conversation just because it's been a long time since I've seen drunken angel. Sure. Or not like a long time. It's been a, a fair amount of months. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's still... I still really like it. It's still probably my favorite of uh, Kurosawa's Yakuza movies. Yeah. Um, How many Kurosawa Yakuza films are there? How many are we talking? There's got to be... There's a few. I can't name them all by okay. off the top of my head. I know there's at least a handful of other ones. He's it, Like, if there's a genre he's had after outside of samurai movies, yep. it's probably... It's going to be some of these Yakuza movies. Got it. And, cause, and you're going to be dealing with a lot of the same themes. You know, this yeah. this heroic image of a character versus, uh, well, what does that actually mean? Yeah. Um, and some t- attempts to kind of interrogate that and break it down. But maybe not necessarily, because I don't think, I don't get the impression that he leaves this particular, his, his Yakuza main character in Drunken Angel as an object of scorn yeah he's definitely they he definitely presents him i think more as a victim than anything Mm -hmm. else yep and and it's something that i kind of liked a lot i really liked that 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 tension there i guess i like this idea of kind of being a victim of of uh how do i want to say this kind of being a victim of of the ideal character like as as he's not he you get the impression you know he's he does his like scuzzy things he's he does yakuza things you know he's mm-hmm. he's in the yakuza shit yeah but at the end you feel bad for him you know he's trying to do the right thing and it still ends up costing him his life but it's still like there's a redemption arc there and i liked that a lot yeah i think drunken angel contrasts pretty strongly with um Gosh, what's it called? The long title on Battles Without Honor and Humanity. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I think it contrasts in terms of like plot complexity quite a bit because in that one, we've got a bunch of families, characters, interconnected relationships, deaths, and a bunch of stuff going on. Whereas in Drunken Angel, we've largely got a very simple plot with a couple of extremely strong characters. And that's mm-hmm. what I really liked about Drunken Angel is that we start out with um, 
doctor guy who's our drunken angel. He's the guy, alcoholic doctor mm-hmm. who wants to help people, but he's got a temper. And so yeah. if you talk back, he's going to th- chuck something at you and be like, get the hell in here. Why aren't you sleeping? Kind of person. Yeah, which... I mean, this is okay. So the 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 doctor who, yeah, I, I guess I love him for all the things you described. I love that about him because he's. Uh, you get. I don't know who you. I'm, I'm wondering who you think is supposed to be the drunken angel in this Ooh. movie. Um, because yes. the doctor is the because you get the impression he's supposed to be the angel on yes. the this yakuza's shoulder, but I also wonder whether or not the the yakuza is supposed to also mm-hmm. have kind of that role, but. Uh, He's, I think, a hoot as a as a character type because he is yeah. that like grizzled, prickly guy. He wants to help people, but he's also kind of a dick. Yep. Um, which, uh, yeah, I, I liked him a lot. Uh, uh, he's also portrayed by uh, Takashi Shimura, who mm-hmm. uh, you might recognize from Seven, Seven Samurai, Samurai and stuff. He's a lot of he's in a lot of he's also in a lot of Kurosawa movies and is also kind of like that one of the Kurosawa actors outside yeah. of uh, next to Fushiro uh, Mifune. Um, but I liked him a lot. Yeah. I like that actor. I, his character in seven samurai is probably a reason why I like him so much. Cause that character is also insanely likable, but I don't yeah. know how Kurosawa does that. How does he make these people so likable? Cause they're, they're simple. Like they're yeah. boiled down to fairly simple components, you know, doctor, bad temper, alcoholic, but like he shows soft spots throughout the course of the film and you want him to be happy and you want him to help these people mm-hmm. and you just want him to succeed in addition to the Yakuza guy who just strolls into his office one day with a shot hand and is lying yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things. Cause he's, this is like a Kurosawa trait across all of his yeah. movies. He's really good at, I think, likable characters and simple characters. Like they all play their like specific roles. But he lets them kind of have that nuance and that like breathability to them. Yeah. Where you get and these interactions with each other where you can get those little bits of like like yeah, he's this simple archetype, but you can you get him being the 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 good guy. You get him being you get a little more of that nuance out of him. Um and I think a part of that is obviously the strength of the actors, but also yeah. the fact that Kurosawa gives his actors that kind of room to breathe and that totally. kind of room to to be these characters. Yes, I really um, like I really like his style where it seems very stage like to me. And this is probably mm-hmm. how a lot of movies then were. I don't know if all of them were. I think I've seen some that have had some heavy edits, but it seems like in Drunken Angel, he'll just plop the camera down in a scene and let the actors go. There's not a lot of shot, reverse shot, shot, reverse shot so that we can cut out any possible mistake that happened. He, the actors are just so good that they don't make mistakes yeah. and they just act phenomenally and it's great to just see that in nice smooth scenes that just play out beautifully Mm -hmm. yeah definitely um how'd you feel so we've got the doctor character how'd you feel about um matsunaga the our uh our yakuza yes our, our, our yakuza character yes the doc it's hard michael it's hard because i like the doctor so much and the mm-hmm. Yakuza character is like, why are you doing this? Because he's 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 diagnosed with the TB. He's mm-hmm. got the coughs and they're bleeding. That's not yeah. good. But he just keeps on getting up and he keeps on doing more stuff. And I felt like the more time I, you spend with him, the more you like him. Because at first it's like you're just Yakuza guy 
and mm-hmm. I write you off. And then the movie does a lot of following him. So I wasn't quite sold on him immediately the way I was the doctor. And uh, you, you do spend quite a bit of time with him early on. He's like dancing with chicks at the club or whatever. Mm-hmm a lot and i'm like am i supposed to like this guy but as the doctor gets to know him better and as you get to know that character better you find out that he was hiding his x-rays from the doctor because he's got pride problems you know like i probably mm-hmm. would and then um you follow his plight now that he's kind of torn between what he's supposed to do the doctor's telling him to stay home and rest and he's got a girl leaving him i found that my relationship to him grew across the course of the film and ended up really caring about him by the end. Yeah. And they really play him up to be the, in, in a way, I'm trying to figure out what I want to say here with this. They, I feel like they play him. They, they definitely make him a sympathetic character and everything like that. And I wonder how you feel about what this says in relation to the Yakuza, Ah. because it's definitely his, his, that tension is basically be, you know, be self-preservation. Like, like take care yeah. of yourself yeah. or go do Yakuza shit. And it's him playing into that Yakuza side and that, that kind of, I mean, one of these, one of these traits that you have that you kind of prescribe onto Yakuza characters is pride. It is yeah. these kinds of things like these, these it's pride and it's chivalry and stuff like that. And he's portraying all of that. And all of those traits are what end up killing him in the end. Totally. And I'm wondering how you kind of feel about that tension, especially when compared to um, you've got Okada there, who's like the, 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 his old boss from who came out of prison. Ah, uh, yes. And I think is, is supposed to be like the, I, 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 the impression I got out of this movie was that Kurosawa wanted to tell us that these aren't, that these aren't heroic characters. Yeah. That these, this isn't a heroic like the heroic lifestyle that maybe it was portrayed as and i can't speak to this as like as an as an authority figure but i can say that i mean if you read about yakuza movies historically they've been up until this point they were kind of portrayed as these heroic like gangster characters Ah. and then they hit this and now this feels kind of like we're we're wrestling with the yakuza the yakuza image now and i think kurosawa wants to make it clear that they're not yeah, yeah. That there there are good people among them, but this is a lifestyle that will kill you. This is totally. this isn't good. Yeah. When you put it into that context, I wasn't aware of that. I think that's that's awesome. I think that's fascinating that <clears throat> he would go about trying to challenge the typical movie perceptions of what a you know, what what being a yakuza does for you as an individual. Cuz that's I wasn't completely aware of that. I wasn't aware of that uh, context very much, but I did like. I guess I especially didn't pick up on it because he's a Yakuza dude. And so we do encounter, like you mentioned, his other uh, ex Yakuza boss uh, as like another Yakuza analog. But he's kind of who we see the Yakuza through and you ultimately think he's a good person. And I guess I had a hard time divorcing him being a good person with the fact that not all Yakuza are good people or not being a Yakuza is what made him the good person that he was, Mm. if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. Yeah. And I don't get the, I guess I don't know what I want to say there. Um, 
but yeah. So I guess at the end of the day, how did you feel about Drunken Angel as an overall film? Yeah, as an overall film, like I said, the plot's a little light. And so mm -hmm. I wasn't, you know, exactly riveted beginning to end. I said I didn't like that. Uh, I didn't like the Yakuza guy in the early goings. I'm like, mm -hmm. why are we following him? And you kind of have to follow him so you can invest yourself in him and care about where he ultimately ends up going. And so I appreciated that in the long run. But it, it dipped a little bit for me in some spots. So, you know, I wasn't beginning to end riveted, but I really like the characters a lot. And I think mm -hmm. that that's kind of what carried the movie for me and made me kept me entertained. I really liked the doctor and I ended up really liking our Yakuza guy and just sitting there and loving these characters. That's something that I don't get a lot in movies anymore. I feel like mm -hmm. I feel like it's not about the characters so much anymore as it is about like the big crazy plot and the big bad bad guy that they got to fight at the end. Mm -hmm. But I do consume a lot of mainstream movies. So that's not, you know, that's not to say that there aren't fantastic indie films out there that are all character studies. But I love that fact that we can just get these people who are extremely likable and then root for them and then watch them grow and change over the course of a film and feel invested in mm -hmm. that, in that growth itself. I really like that. That's what, what did, I really uh... liked about Drunken Angel. So what did you think about, I think what's one of the interesting things about this movie is in the very end, you find out one of the doctor's patients survived or was getting over tuberculosis. Yes. And what do you, I guess, how do you, did that, how did you feel about that? It's like the, the, this is the note we're ending on. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird because yeah, that's like a very kind of in a way cookie cutter, happy ending. Mm -hmm. In the sense that we've got something nice and pleasant to keep you carrying through. Yeah. <clears throat> so I guess, I don't know, it was a way to end the movie about a doctor who treats people with tuberculosis, I suppose. Yeah. But I appreciated how it wasn't too fantastical. How it wasn't yeah. too out there, you know, too sunshine and rainbows. But I guess it was a little optimistic. I think it's interesting that that was kind of that that kurosawa made a point of ending this movie and then yeah uh, like the hint of optimism that there was some kind of i don't want to say a silver lining to everything that happened but there was some kind of like he made a point of making sure that the ending of this movie included someone who was getting better and i wonder whether or not that's supposed to be some kind of commentary or yeah whether or not i i and i can't say for sure whether or not there is something um, he, in particular, he wanted to say with that, but I think there was a point to ending it on that optimistic note. Yeah. And cause it's, it's definitely something that stuck with me totally. about it was that this was how we wanted to end this movie. Our main character has died, but our other character, our doctor has been able to help someone else recover and what I don't know what that's supposed to say as overall, but I, I think it was important. So, yeah. Yeah. Like if, if Yakuza man just would have listened to our doctor and not went and done all that stupid crap he was doing, maybe it would have been fine. Maybe. Do you know if tuberculosis was still a pretty big issue around this time when the movie was made? Uh, in particular to this time and in particular to Japan? No, I do know it is still, I mean, we still have places that are struggling with yep. tuberculosis. It's totally. still there. It's not, it's, it's definitely, uh, it, it's, it's, it wouldn't surprise me if there was some kind of major outbreak of tuberculosis in post-war Japan. Yeesh. 
I, I can't say for sure though. Yeah. Well, at um, least this movie has a happier ending than some of the other movies we watched. Yeah. Oh, ho, ho. Uh, do we want to go directly to there's, I feel like there's one that you're thinking of in particular, <laughs> yes. but um, before we get there, I do want to just kind of ask what you think of, I had a question. Oh yes. Please. Um, just like comparing this to like American films set around this time period, I think is oh. fascinating to me. Yeah. In that you just get that clear divide where I feel like in J- with Japanese films, you look at this time period and it's, 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 it's coping with a trauma. Mm-hmm. And in the U S it's like our memory of, of the world of world war two is this is the greatest generation. This yeah. is, I mean, this is the time period you have of uh, John Wayne and the Sands of Iwo Jima and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and it's so. It's just it's that's it's an interesting, and it's interesting to me how that looks at the time and how that looks today, and and still how the two are kind of communicated with each other. But yeah. Um. Anyway, as we move on, though, you had mentioned sad movies. I did. And we watched one, I think, I think we're both thinking the exact same movie that was very sad. Obviously, uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, but uh, <laughs> no. Uh, so you and I had watched Hanabi. Yes, Hanabi. Uh, fireworks. Does that, does that mean fireworks? It does, yes. A Hanabi, okay. it's like, yeah, it, it's, it, it translates to fireworks. Um what did you think of Hanabi? This is this is the Beat Takashi. So so Beat Takashi is is, is his comedian comedian name. Um, yes, he he also voices a character in the Yakuza series. He does. Yakuza yes. Six. He uses uh, his likeness as well. Yeah, he's a very colorful. In general, he's known as a comedian. He's known as kind of a showman. But then he makes these movies, and some of them are out there and goofy. But some of them are these really like. Like some of them are Hanabi, yeah. <laughs> which, which it feels like this is it's this tragic, like it, it's a tragedy in a very much, like in its purest form almost. Yeah. So Depression did, in the movie. Yeah, I cried. Um, what did you think of Hanabi? Christian? I I liked it a lot. I liked, I really liked its style. I think I liked its style slightly more than the substance, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, taken as a whole, really liked it. Really liked the themes that it was getting at. Really liked just like the feelings it makes you feel. Because uh, <clears throat> I said that I like. Uh, what did I just say? What did I just say, Michael? What was the first you, thing I said about Hanabi? You liked ha- the style, style more than the substance. Style. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the, I think uh, the style kind of coincides with the tone and how I felt about the tone of the movie as a whole. And how like everything is framed, how all the characters are interacting with each other and the content to an extent where all of that kind of meshes into this one beautiful style in my brain to make a movie that I really enjoyed and I look back on very fondly and I think I'll remember for a long time. What did mm-hmm. you think, Michael, about Hanabi? I, I love this movie yeah like it's and i think it is dealing kind of with that that i think you're right when you say kind of style over substance but i don't know if i'd use the word substance necessarily but it's definitely got a a a feel to it that's that you feel like that's that's kind of what uh the director beat takeshi 
I need to think. I need to find his full name because it's not beat, but uh, that he's definitely kind of tapping into. Yeah. Um, Is this guy prolific? Does has he made a lot of movies? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's funny. I think way back when, way back yonder, all those many moons ago, when we were talking samurai movies. <gasps> yes. Um, you had mentioned how one of the ones you had watched was like, finally, this is the one where you get the blood shooting out of yes, Shogun Assassin. People. Yeah, the bear um, he makes one of those that I would I understand uh, this movie called Zatoichi. Yes, that's basically that the movie. Really? Like it's it's if you want your samurai movies to go like like campy bloodshed nonsense, it's mm. like the one you go to. Interesting. Um, but so he's he's very prolific, and for a while, a lot of his movies were these yakuza movies, and he deviates from that obviously as he goes on. Um, one of the things that I read about. Hanabi that I thought was interesting was like this was the movie it took him taking making this movie taking it to Venice and getting a, a trophy in Venice for for audiences in Japan actually to take him seriously as a filmmaker wow because prior to this he was known mostly as the comedian beat Takeshi really and not uh so his full name is Takeshi Kitano um and not yeah and not as this this prolific filmmaker but he is this prolific filmmaker yeah um is this did this movie come later in his filmography that i don't know offhand i think he's definitely he made a movie couple movies prior to this gotcha and this was like the i don't want to say it was a breakout because i think a few of those also kind of got a bit of international press as well Mm -hmm. but this is the one like if you look at a takeshi kitano movie generally people are talking about hanabi because it's like this very, I guess it's very affecting movie. Totally. And it's not, and it's not necessarily shy about being that. I mean, if you think of like, how do I want to set up a tragic character? Yeah. Oh, his friends are going to die. One's going to be paralyzed from the waist <laughs> down because he was there instead of the main character at this yeah. event. By the way, his wife is in the hospital <laughs> dying of leukemia and it's incurable. Oh, and he's off. He's, he lost his job. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the, like, they, like there's this rolling list of depression totally. of like, of like story beasts you can hit to make your character a tragic character. And it's just like, he's kind of checking off boxes at that point. Yeah. But, uh, but I, it's it's such an affecting movie, and it does skip around, like it does some of that kind of like time skipping around mm-hmm. that I thought was really disorienting at first. But I was kind of interested in what it was doing. Yeah, because there are like times he's in a bar, there's people there, then they're gone, or yep. like there are these things that they're doing with that that I think are just really cool. Yeah. And uh, and it it's weird. You get these like interjections of like these paintings his friend was doing. Yes. Um, like these slow pans over these these animals with flower heads gradually progresses into like this pointillism style of art and then ends in this very like a gr- like this very cryptic um like he's writing the words for snow and then in the mm-hmm. middle is like this huge red suicide. Mm-hmm. Um and all of the, all of, while this is going on, it's kind of tracking to the main character's story. As he learns his wife's cancer is incurable, he loses his job after like this this crazy. After he tries to catch the 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 guy who shot his friend mm-hmm. and paralyzed his friend, um, two other cops are shot in the instance, and then he kills him. Yeah. And she, in like this very gruesome and bloody sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, there's just kind of like this. He's 
doing these bad things. Like he's a bank robber now, but he's a bank <laughs> yes. robber because he wants to help his his dying wife. And then it just kind of ends on this really like touching note. Like they make it, like I think they make it clear he's a like what he's doing is bad. But at the same time, they go like there's there are lengths this movie takes to make you feel sympathetic to him and then make you feel genuine care and kind of love for him like the these scenes with his wife are so touching and they're comedic in a way they're they're very like like they make you like i felt happy watching them even though i knew that it's it's there's only one kind of way this story could go yeah yeah i the guy takeshi our actor guy i think what was his character's name? Nishi or something like that? Yeah, Nishi, Nishi, Mr. Nishi. I I I was really sold on him at first. I just like how he looks. He looks like yeah. a badass. I don't know why. Yeah. I could just look at this dude all day for some reason. And like he's got this twitch that's just like, oh dude, you're a human. I don't know why, but like him having that little twitch mm-hmm. just like made me like him more. But what was frustrating for me in the like first half hour or so is how he's like a borderline silent protagonist. He like doesn't say anything. He'll just sit there and like everyone's talk, 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 talk. And he'll just sit there in silence. And then Mm -hmm. we'll finally get some time alone with him and he'll just sit there in silence. And that's when I started liking him is when, you know, at first it was it was hard for me because it was like, okay, I understand he doesn't talk much, but can he say something in this situation? Because I don't know, it just seems weird to me socially where someone would just sit there and not say anything and then everyone's talking and then they'll just leave. And I was like, say something, I want to like you. But <clears throat> we start getting like intercut flashbacks and finding out like he's really traumatized. He's really screwed up and we get glimpses into his psyche and what he's thinking about all the time and how much his life sucks. And uh and at first, the first scene that we get with our main character, Nishi and his wife, is just them sitting silent in a hospital mm-hmm. because basically it's like her leukemia has progressed to the point of no return. Basically, there's not much we can do. And so that would really suck. But it's the first time we see him and his wife and they're just sitting there in silence. And I didn't I didn't entirely know how to interpret that. I didn't know if mm-hmm. I was supposed to be like, oh, so they're not very close or, oh, this really sucks. But thankfully, there's a scene soon afterwards where they're playing with like anagrams on their table at home and like they're trying to make a couple shapes and then they giggle with each other. And I was like, oh, OK, they love each other very much. They, they, they're both happy together. Yes, yes, I love you both now. And that's where I felt like I was just in love with the main character, Nishi. And that's mm-hmm. where I think I was invested in him and willing to see that through to the end. Yeah, and I think it's. Because I I'd kind of, I don't know if I felt exactly the same way, but my impression at the beginning was more of that, like, okay, we're in, this is, we're in like man with no name territory. He's yeah. just, he's just a man, a few words, mm-hmm. talks with his fists or his guns. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, it's, it generally, as it starts, the story starts to kind of unravel. It, it, it becomes more like, okay, he's he's going through some pretty serious stuff right now. He's silent because his mind's on his paralyzed friend who is suicidal. His mind's on his dead daughter and his dying wife and, Mm -hmm. and all of these other things that kind of happened. And it's, it's like he becomes this genuinely tragic character. And then it's at that moment where you find that he's this genuinely tragic character that they also start 
I think building up this this um look how great he is look 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 like look how he is with his wife. Yeah. They make him into a sympathetic character at that same time and that's when you start kind of getting into the I don't know. It 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 starts building towards this like tragic finale cuz yeah. like you're watching this and I don't know how you felt about it but I loved every scene where he was with his wife and yes. they're just kind of like goofing off in the snow yes. or at a beach or something and it was really like this touching it was it was cool it was like nice to be with him but at the same time you know the underlying current here is that for one he robbed a bank and pissed off some yakuza yep and that's probably going to come up to him and the other part of it is that his wife is dying of an incurable case of cancer yeah and it's like it there's like this underlying sense of tragedy to it mixed into that are also like these goofy little like like i don't know how i don't know if i want to say like it handles like these tone shifts in a masterful way Mm -hmm. but it does feel really it doesn't feel jarring in any way yeah it makes it feel more effective when we're going from so much sadness to just happy enjoying each other's company time yeah and then they'll throw in these other little bits too like the 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 maintenance shopkeeper like the guy who ran the junkyard, I mean, the, yes, who's like, yes, like yelling, cussing people out, he's <laughs> yeah. smacking people on the head. But he has this begrudging respect for uh, Mr. Nishi mm-hmm. and comes back with like the fake siren. Yes. What do you need the and siren then, for? To rob a bank. <laughs> All right. You go rob that bank, buddy. And then he sees like the, the newspaper a couple days later yep. where it says a bank was robbed. That's he's great. like, huh, I should have charged him for 200,000 yen. <laughs> mwah, mwah. Perfect. Yeah. Like it didn't feel that none of that felt jarring to me. I yeah. enjoyed all of these like beats they're playing with. I feel like those are the kind of moments where you get like, oh, if I told you Takeshi Kitano was a a, a comedian, you're like, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, like it makes sense and it, yeah, um, I don't know where I want to go with kind of questioning about this. This just feels like a good. I I just loved this movie. Um, what kind of what do i i guess when you said this is a movie that kind of that you feel like will stick with you for a bit of time yeah what do you think that like like what about it will stick with you i think it was a lot of those emotional feelings like the the roller coaster that it brings you to and Mm -hmm. yeah this guy ex-cop becomes a yakuza to try and solve his problems and it just ends up creating more and then compounds on his problems when he you know robs a bank to pay off his debt and then in the process of paying off his debt to the Yakuza, they're like, oh, this guy has money. Go get more from him. And then he's just like, leave me the hell alone. I'm trying to be with my wife. I thought that that was a great way to illustrate what we were talking about earlier, where Yakuza, being with the Yakuza is crime. That's not good, especially if you were an ex-cop. He probably would have been happier if he just stayed a cop. But he had to take the easy road, which ended up being the hard road. And... <clears throat> It it never gets that, you know, black and white. They never spell that out to you. And mm-hmm. I liked, I don't know, I liked that morose melancholy that I felt throughout the course of it. And another thing that really stood out to me was the camera work and just the general style, especially yeah. in the opening. We've got that kind of happy chipper tune that it'll like playing over things, especially when not so happy things are happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like in the beginning, we just get uh, like a uh, symmetrical shot on our main character, uh, Nishi. And then 
he's just standing there and then we realize that he's standing there and waiting for his car's windshield to get cleaned off because it's all full of crap and that's yeah. like just a beautiful microcosm for the entire movie yeah uh, i forgot about that that's such a yeah oh god how did you feel about kind of the way they interpolated the his friends kind of artwork that way where it went yes like and and how that progressed how'd you feel kind of about that that part was a little slow to me because they they really they really intersperse that stuff it seems a little unevenly because we get him in wheelchair and it's like oh man this sucks and then Mm -hmm. he's talking about i i like the details i like the details where he's like hey I should probably get a beret and start painting. And then he gets a box in the mail from our main character and it's a beret and some painting stuff. And he puts <laughs> the beret on and then he's like, ah, screw this. And then he throws it off. So good. Like those little mm-hmm. details make these people feel like human beings. And I love that. But I also yeah. felt like his stuff was a little staggered to where um, throughout the course of the movie, you can see like pictures in the background that almost look like kind of those paintings they're not Mm -hmm. they're not flowers on animals the way that we get that one montage later on where we just get a bunch of flowers on animal heads that crazy like uh almost like the art museum sequence in ferris bueller's day off yes the weird like back and forth and like it insists on this too (laughs) like you're going to get him looking at flower and then flower is painting yes next flower new painting yes that section um, was pretty long. Yeah. <clears throat> but there's also there are also like paintings in the background or like pictures. They look like kid drawings. Did you notice those at all, Michael? It looked like there were drawings in the backgrounds of a lot of scenes. Not necessarily. The ones that stood out to me, I think, were in the Yakuza's office. Gotcha. Those are the only ones that really stood out. Because I think there's an important there's an important one. Because there's that yes. that classical woodblock print Japanese. Yes artwork where you see it looks just like that but on blue so it's like a pop art kind of thing like mm-hmm. a, a warhol kind of thing but then they go back to it later and now the head's in his hands and it's mm-hmm. like a skeleton yeah face like because that wasn't i'm pretty sure that that during this movie that there's not that yeah like it's not always like that like it changes and during the movie yes absolutely and that's that's one of the ones that stood out to me. That's why I was kind of watching the art in the the Yakuza office, but I didn't see anything. I didn't notice it if it was out elsewhere. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, there's like scenes where uh, like Nishi, he's talking to uh, a lady. I don't remember how he knows her or who she was. It was like in a restaurant setting or something. Mm-hmm. And there's like a picture right behind them. Oh, yeah. She's one of I think she's one of the widows of one of the other cops. Ah, Yes, yes. He's talking to her and there's like a picture behind them or mm-hmm. he'll walk by some spot and there'll be like a kid's drawing behind them. And like I picked up on that. I knew that that was interesting. I just don't know what it means. I want to know what it means, Michael, because it probably yeah. means something. But I want to know what. Yeah. And I feel like this movie has a lot of that. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of things where they're they're in there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a reason we're there's a reason the 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 block print is now headless. Yes. There's a reason we're like the 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 the, the it just just there's a there's a particular reason all these little details are peppered in there and where yeah. they're peppered in and everything. Um why do you think I, Michael the movie is called Firework? Well, cuz you see there's that part where he shoots off fireworks. Yes. 
<laughs> there is. Um, because firework translates, I think, roughly to fire flower. Don't quote me. And I forget ah, if that's what the okay. B character was. I haven't, I'm very, very rusty. Do fire flowers have some kind of cultural significance or something? Well, because that's just what that's what firework means. Because when it explodes, it looks like a flower. Ah, okay, um, okay. Flowers in the paintings. Okay. Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of flower play at this, and a lot of that kind of erupting in some way. And interesting. That's my that's my community college film class. Yeah. yeah. Interpretation. Which... There's there's some little scenes where it seems like those are supposed to be thematic statements, like when. He lights the firework and then the firework doesn't go off. And then he goes up and looks at it and then it explodes in his face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also think a part of that is just kind of the comedy side yes. to it too. I yes. think, I think that's, that's uh, uh beat Takeshi coming out as the comedian. Good. Um, but yeah. So I feel like kind of agreement here though. Hanabi is very, a very good movie. Yes. I like it a lot. Another one of those thematic statements is, uh, Right towards the end, while they're um, while Nishi and his wife are on the beach, uh, she's taking dead flowers and then like putting water in them. That wasn't at the end. Towards like two thirds way in, she's putting water yeah. into dead flowers, and I'm like, "Oh man, this is <laughs> that's not subtle." No, <laughs> that's right. Now I remember that. Now, yeah, that's not. And then the one guy shows up and he's all pissed off. He's like, "Hey, you can't yes. do that. They're dead flowers." Yes. <laughs> hey, it's a waste of water. Uh. Hey. <laughs> Yes. But then he Nishi beats the beats crap him out of him. Yeah, I love that. I love the like the three or four Nishi kill scenes there are. They're all very yeah. good. Like he's just just stabs chap chopsticks in a dude's eyes in one scene. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it's almost comically violent. Like we're in Tarantino violence yes. territory in a way. Not quite painting the walls red kind of yeah. violence, but we're 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 in we're we're knocking on prop comedy's door with some of this. Yeah. But that um, stuff, like those kills contrast pretty drastically with the stuff that traumatizes Nishi, like mm-hmm. the, the cops getting killed or whatever. They're just getting their insides blown out. And it's like, yeah. hey, that's uncomfortable. Yeah. Not glorified uh, in those scenes. It's a cool movie. It's very cool. It's thank you really for cool recommending it, yes. Michael. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, thank you. I'm glad that we were able to kind of have this, this as a setup for this because it kind of got me it lit the fire to say, okay, I should finally watch Hanabi. And yeah, it's, yeah, it was really good. I'm really I think, glad that that was how that happened. I think I read some comments somewhere where people were like one of his least violent films or something like that. <laughs> and I okay. was like, boy, if this is least violent. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh yeah. Cause it's not subtle about that. There's some pretty graphics. Like it's not like, yeah, like like stabbing him with chopsticks. There's the one where he sticks the bullets in the guy's mouth and punches him in the teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. There's, there's blood. A lot of blood in this movie. There is, um, yes. Yeah. There's that part. Where he sticks his finger between the... When the, the one Yakuza guy is holding a gun at him. He yes. sticks his finger between oh, yes. the, the hammer and the, the rest of the gun. And oh, like there's yes. blood there, but it's like this really intense like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's what? Such a cool idea, Michael. Who who comes up with this? I commend the writer who sits down and says, "Sticks finger into gun hammer so that gun cannot fire." Good job. Beats like yes, yes. Pat <laughs> myself on my back. In this movie, I also star in. <laughs> Good job. Uh, of Yakuza Six fame. Yes. Oh. Good stuff. So, this is kind of get to the next part here. 
because these are all movies that came out before Yakuza 1 and before the Yakuza series. I'm kind of wondering how you feel then the game series kind of deals with some of these cinematic themes mm-hmm. that these other, that these act, like these movies are wrestling with. Because I feel like, at least from my experience from Yakuza 0, is we're talking Yakuza, the pop culture character, not Yakuza, the yeah. the the actual crime, the actual like, yep. like we're not like, like they're not combing through the, the, uh, the Japanese newspapers looking for Yakuza, like actual like real life Yakuza stories. This is the movie version of the characters being adapted as a game. Yep. So I'm kind of curious what you're thinking now that you've had a bit of experience with these movies. How do you feel the video games do with some of these themes? Oh, man, that's a good question. Oof. I don't know. I think it's hard to say because I. I think a lot of the Yakuza games fall into more general melodrama. And I think Mm. that this quality cinema doesn't exactly map one-to-one with some of the more, you know, ridiculous and out there uh, melodrama and inter-character drama that happens in something like a Yakuza where in the Yakuza video games, where there's a lot of, it seems like they're very tropey. They draw from a lot of the same, like a well, they draw from the same mm-hmm. well of tropes that they can do all the time. Like off-screen character shoots a guy, and then dramatic cut shot to someone's face going "nani," and then we have <laughs> a crazy revelation. So I think it's a little hard for me to <laughs> draw a lot of comparisons based on all the majority of these films, which I think were very quality and didn't suffer from those same problems that I think most of the Yakuza video games do. <laughs> okay. That's a very fair answer. Um, it's interesting. Cause my experience with the, the Yakuza series is Yakuza zero pretty much, which yes. feels it very, it feels very dramatic, but not in a way that sounds anywhere near as hammy as what you just kind of described to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, which maybe that's, that's, a conversation for the Yakuza sprocket or the mm. Yakuza socket down the road. But uh, it's, it's, I, I find it interesting just as this, this kind of representation of a popular culture character. Yeah. I, the, I found a lot of the kind of tension between this image of a Yakuza as an ideal, an idyllic heroic character versus definitely. Um, versus, you know, the the system, the crime system, these criminals, these these violent loan sharks, or the drug dealers in Battles Without hum- Honor and Humanity, yeah. or the sleazy, the sleazy, uh, I can think of a good way to describe them, but the the Okada from Drunken Angel, yeah. and how then you have these heroic characters in a way that your Hironos from Battles Without Honor and Humanity, your uh, your Toshiro Mifune's character in Drunken Angel, your even uh, Nishi and Hanabi, I think, kind of plays out that role in a way, even though I think it's a very, I honestly feel like Hanabi in some ways is arguably also a parody of Yakuza movies. But, yeah. um, but you're seeing the same kind of tensions and then those are reflected in this video game where you're doing that, but also I guess there's like, uh, you know, karaoke games and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think all these movies are a little more contemplative than something like the Yakuza games are, where the Yakuza games is it seems like they started out with, man, Yakuza are a badass. There's probably some there's some bad things, but 
boy, it's pretty awesome seeing these back tattoos and these shirtless dudes beat the crap out of each other. And you're one of them, pal. And they they kind of get away from that a little bit in some parts. But these are ultimately games where you rip your shirt off and you have this awesome (laughs) back tattoo and you beat a bunch of people up and like. The beginning of the plot of like four of these video games is, oh, I finally made it out of the Yakuza, but I guess I have to go back to them one last time. Every time I get out, they pull me back <laughs> in. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, it's I, it's interesting hearing that because, again, my experience is only Zero, and I feel like Zero maybe he was closer to cinema Yakuza in a way yeah. than what it sounds like you're describing to me. Yeah. Just in that you get that very clear, like there, there, he it's Kiryu on the comeuppance, and mm-hmm. he wants to be a yakuza, but this is why, and he sees it as the honorable, like like you're the maybe not necessarily the good guy, but there's a code of honor you're supposed to be following. Damn it, and and versus kind of the the bigger picture where it is these poli- it is this this criminal politics, it yeah. is people jockeying for power and money mm-hmm. and even coming out right to say that in some kind of stupid way. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, like there's no room for subtlety, which was interesting. Cause I feel like a lot of these movies had a lot of room for subtlety. Yeah. Totally. Um, speaking of subtlety, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how do you feel about uh, Yakuza like a dragon, the 2006 uh, wow. smash blockbuster by, uh, <sighs> Was it Takashi Miike? Takashi Miike. Sounds right. Um, yeah, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Was yeah, this a smash we, hit in Japan? I know the video no, games I, are, right? It can't be. Okay. I can't imagine this being. I feel like this is one of those we're in live action anime territory yeah. where some people <laughs> go see it. There's some kind of following because obviously there has to be if they're going to keep dishing these out. Yeah. But, oh, I'm sorry, 2007's okay. Yakuza Like a Dragon. Um, yeah, by Takashi Miike. Uh, so, <laughs> what'd you think of Like a Dragon? It was my least favorite of these movies, Michael. It's not very good. I didn't like it too much. No. There was a lot of moments where where the plot made no sense. Um <laughs> Like I, I still found myself kind of appreciating how corny it got at times. Yeah. But in that same way where it's like, okay, I can enjoy a bad game. I can enjoy yes. a like C grade anime or, or something really hammy and stupid. Yes. Um like uh like I still had kind of fun when Majima showed up at times. Yeah. I still had fun with uh the masochistic informant. Mm-hmm. Who's like, yes, daddy, punch me or whatever. Or, or, or like when you get the, the, the underlings going at it. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that was kind of fun. But yes. at the end of the day, like the actual core plot to this, the core happenings, just not good. Yeah. If we're talking about things we like, though, I adore the look of Camarucho, at least at the beginning. Yeah. I think they freaking nailed it with the glowy signs and like the yeah. popo shop that they're at at the beginning. Looks straight out of the video game. And I've played like seven of these and I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Thumbs up. You guys did it. You got it. It's looking right. Uh, the vending machines I, in the background even look exactly yeah. like they do in the video game. Good job, guys. Yeah. You're like, uh, yeah, yeah. Your Don Quixote's are like, oh, it's a Don Quixote. Yes. Or whatever. Or whatever it is. But uh, 
Yeah, I guess I'm really curious what your take is on this, having played both Yakuza 1 and then also the full, or most of the full series at this point. Yeah. <laughs> How you feel it translates to film? Uh, it was it was frustrating, because I wanted... I saw the trailer. I watched the trailer first. Yeah. And I I liked that, because I got the Camaro show. I got, wow, this, this looks good. And I don't know if that's because the video games are accurate to Tokyo, or if because they just recreated Camarucho in real life. Either way, I thought it looked great. And like the camera's moving all over the place and then it's like Kiryu looking over his shoulder like, huh. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'd like to see what Kiryu does in a movie. But I was really frustrated with the tone, especially. I don't completely understand what he was going for. Like there's glowy blue fist Kiryu fights. <laughs> and then there's also like guns getting whipped out like Majima just whips out a shotgun for some reason and just like blows a hole into like five people yeah and uh, what's happening uh, and then we've got this very serious like bank heist happening concurrently and it's yeah, like dudes in masks a, uh, cracking jokes it's a manzai duo i think is what it's called yes. uh it's like this very classic japanese comedy trope where these two people just yell puns at each other essentially and they're they're idiots but this is like their excuse for where are the cops in this situation <laughs> well they're all watching this ridiculously bad bank robbery happen yes and then like there's these little jabs to it like like the the police bureaucracy where yes. like the one guy shows up and he's like oh it's yakuza stuff that's section four <laughs> bye <laughs> um but what was the moment like because there's a very clear moment for me when this this definitely broke Ooh. like where it's like okay i'm no longer like okay this is what like the like it goes from like okay we're not watching a serious yes. adaptation anymore this is just stupid there is um, there's one part where majima takes the baseball bat and hits like a baseball into a dude's face and then the baseball <laughs> spins for like 10 seconds oh <laughs> there's like a part where he like hits a dude's head he's in the batting cage majima hits the dude's head with the baseball bat because the baseball is coming at him, but like he, it's like those balls, those Newton balls or whatever. Cause he like yeah. hits his head and then his head bounces into the baseball <laughs> and then the baseball goes flying. I think that's what I saw happen. That is what, no, that's exactly what happened. Why? Um, I don't like, this is in a movie where it's largely filled with things grounded in the physical reality and like drama, like where's Kiryu? Why is Majima trying to follow Kiryu? what's happening to our city? And then it's like Majima's running around hitting baseballs. Okay. So mine happened way earlier than Ooh, that. Yes. Please. And tell it me. was when Kiryu punched a guy and his fist was blue. <laughs> yes. Like at that point, it's like that. I think that to me was when it's when, when it like, to me it signaled, okay, we're in. Yeah. This is like I'm watching a live action anime nonsense yes. movie. They dish these out by the hundred every, every <laughs> year. Um, like that's that's when I like okay okay I'm I'm in the I'm I'm watching something probably not good. Yes, and I think it's interesting. There are some moments I think they try to do a little, little more. I don't know what's you see because I don't know how much of some of this stuff that they portray here is in Yakuza One. And how much of it is is new specifically to the movie? Yes, very little of oh. this is actually in Yakuza One. Okay, a lot of it is just we made a Yakuza movie, but we put some video game stuff in there. Okay, because there was stuff like I, I don't think it worked in the end, but yeah. I liked the the Bonnie and Clyde couple. 
Yes. Okay. In a gotcha. way. That is totally fabricated for the film. Okay. That's what I figured. Yes. Um, but I thought there were some things they were getting at with that that was like, it was interesting in a yeah. way. It became gradually less interesting as it went on, but I still kind of liked it. Yeah. Um, because if it felt so much more, honestly, it felt so much more grounded yes. than, yes. than some of this bullshit happening with Majima smacking baseballs into people's faces <laughs> and... Which I, I, in a way, I liked in that way that I like Majima's character in the Yakuza yeah. series. But even then, I don't know if it ever got as wha- that wacky. Yeah, I mean, like, like that, in the that, Yakuza like, games, there's a wacky. push and pull. There's a you yeah. got the combat, and you're just wailing on dudes. You're kicking their faces, and you're slamming their heads into toilets, and you're just <laughs> beating the piss out of them, and they survive, and it's fine. But as soon as that's over, then we've got the drama. You know, you've got the story stuff where we're getting serious. We're talking about serious things. We're talking about the ramifications of hundreds of lives and a bunch of Yakuza families. Whereas this movie. There's no delineator here, like you've got you've got the subplots, but like they they don't mesh well with each other. Your Bonnie and Clyde subplot is pretty serious. It's about a dude and a girl robbing a bunch of places, getting a bunch of money, but then also being like, well, we can't do this forever. What are we doing? And why this guy trying to figure out who this woman is? Mm-hmm. And then you've got two dudes in a mask robbing a bank and feeding all of the prisoners that they've got sushi. <laughs> and it's not, it's the nice sushi too. It's the nice they sushi. They made a point like, of mentioning it was the nice guys, sushi. Thank you Thank you criminals. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, the, the mesh, it doesn't, it feels like we're getting into like this, this, this Rashomon territory in a way Ooh. where we're looking at a story from different angles. But the reality is, is there's not, there's little overlap. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of like random plots put together. Uh, they're maybe tied together by the the informer who likes getting his gut punched <laughs> and who has the gun shop. Yeah. Maybe this Korean assassin character shows up in a couple threads. Oh, that's right. But it's not like you're in this... Like, it's not like what they do plays out in any kind of meaningful way and what Kiri is doing trying to connect reconnect this daughter with with her mother yeah uh which even that was like <laughs> what the f- like there's that part like where she finally appears but she's like i'm also my sister yes and then she blows up and that's it yes <laughs> like, that is like and then you find out none of that even mattered in the end her like doing this dramatic explosion to blow up the tower yeah and kill this boss Jingu, which we have no reason to <laughs> no. care about Jingu, but he's there. He's in this Black Hawk helicopter yes. that, tra- that flies through Kamarucho for whatever reason. Yes, and he gets just he just gets shot by the the sniper. Spoilers: He gets shot by the sniper, <laughs> the, the 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 Korean assassin. So none of this like core plot with with Kiryu and what's her name Yumi or Yui? Yumi, I think it's Yumi. Yumi and and their daughter and like none of that like it it didn't matter yeah or like it matters but the resolution didn't matter or there wasn't any like and I, like the implication there was that she that she was basically both Yumi and Yumi's twin sister right like she was she admitted to being both yes if I heard that right right yes you're correct it feels like that should have some kind of explanation totally but yes. doesn't that's no not in this movie i don't think that is actually a p- plot line in the video game oh, okay <laughs> and i think they just 
you know, they just put that in here because they had to put it in here. And that's like the last 10 minutes of the movie. They just like throw in these new characters. You got Black Hawk guy. You've got uh, uh, Nishiki that he fights at the end for some reason. <laughs> he just goes up an elevator. And he's like, you must fight me now in front of this pile of money. And then you've got yeah. Haruka's mom. They all just show up at the end for some reason. Uh, yeah, there's just a shirtless fight <laughs> at the end for some reason. Uh, yes. It feels like that Nishikiyama thing should be more important yes. because I I don't know how they play it up in the Yakuza game the the game yeah but I know in Yakuza Zero they set it up to be a pretty meaningful relationship yes the entirety of Yakuza One is basically following Nishiki as the you know like main focal point of the plot he's kind mm-hmm. of the reason why the everything's happening and he's the main antagonist so to speak of that of Yakuza One but and here he just shows up at the end so yeah. And and it gives you your requisite Yakuza characters tearing off their shirts yep. to show off their back tattoos that mean something. Of course. And there's a meaning there. The there's the the Nishikiyama has the the fish. Yep. Because the the, the the story is the koi fish tra- sends the waterfall to become the dragon. Yes. And Kiryu's the dragon. Yeah. Um and that's meaningful, but it's like it it here it's just like this is our excuse to have this fight that we need to have because it's in the game. And yes. Yes. There's that cute little stamina in X. Yes. Bit. Yes. That's what frustrates me so much about this movie is that I feel like it can't decide if it wants to be a movie or if it wants to be just blatant fan service because the, the movie has subplots, right? There's subplots that don't yeah. exist in the video game where yeah. first you got Kiryu and he's trying to find um, Haruka's mother for some reason. It's not explained in this movie. We just see him next to this little girl who's feeding this dog and we yeah. don't, there's no context to any of that as far as I'm aware. It's just because uh, that happened in the video game. I think there's like little brief bits that explain that she's somehow related to Yumi. And okay. they do mention Yumi went to the orphanage with Kiryu. Ooh, they do. Okay. Yeah, they do. Good. Good, Good job, Yakuza I, movie. I think they do. Good. Because I knew that going in and I had I have barely any comprehension yes. as to what the Yakuza series becomes after zero. But perfect. So they explain okay. they explain Makoto, which is good. But like yeah. they can't. I, it was hard for me because it felt like they couldn't decide to be fan service or a movie. Because like I said, it's got subplots. You got Kiryu. You got Majima trying to kill Kiryu. You've <laughs> got the Bonnie and Clyde Robin stores. You got the masked uh, people robbing the bank. And so you're switching between these things throughout the course of the movie. That's what a movie does. But then like what it's so hard to even understand what's happening in this movie where, like you mentioned, you get the stamina X shot, which is just so silly. (laughs) The the introduction of it. too. Remember he's in the, he's in like the pharmacy. Yeah. And you just get this slow pan of stamina and X, stamina and XX, and then whatever the top one was, stamina yes. and ultra, I think. Or... Yes, Royale is what it's called in English Royale, in the game, yeah. yes. Uh, okay. So stupid. But they, yeah, like you said, they just hold on that pan up, and then they like show him drinking it, and then he feels pumped. <laughs> He's feeling better. They even mention it restores heat power. <laughs> yes. Like, oh my God. I uh, Michael, I have a list of questions for you. That I don't okay. think makes sense. Cool. Let's in go. The movie, but they might. The first, the first one I had was Makoto. Thankfully, they do answer why, or I'm sorry, Haruka, and who, who, or what he was doing with Haruka. Mm-hmm. That was they one do. of my questions. Why does Majima want to kill Kiryu? 
Oh, they don't say anything at okay. all. I think they mentioned that they're rivals at one point. Okay. Okay. That's more than I grasped. That's good. Okay. That's good. So the entire point, you mentioned the entire point of the two masked robbers is to explain why cops aren't there. That's the only thing I could think of. Got it. They kind of set up that there's this 10 billion yen that was taken from the uh, the the family, but yes, the Tojo clan, but that's it. And outside of that, I think it's a setup to mention that. And then my impression was this is so we can keep the cops preoccupied while the Yakuza nonsense happens. Yes. Got it. Next question. It So it, I noticed in the movie, they seem to make it clear that Kiryu is back in Kamarucho because he wasn't immediately before the movie. Do they mm-hmm. make it clear where he was and for how long? I think they mentioned he was in jail. Okay. But that's it. Okay. Uh, I mean, I feel like there's some. Yeah, I don't. I, they may have, but I don't know. And I think my impression was that it was because he went to jail for a job of some kind. Yes. To to take to do time for one of the bosses. <laughs> yes. But that's. I don't know how much of that is me glancing at the Yakuza one plot at one point or another. Yeah. Yeah. It's he. He's supposed to have spent ten years in prison right before this starts. Okay. And that's. That didn't seem clear to me. I mean, he's just walking around. He looks kind of clueless, but I guess that's, I don't know. Like They give him a cute few questions, like what happened. Yes. Or like, where's Kazuma-san? But that's about it. Yeah. I guess that's the questions I had for you, Michael. I mean, <laughs> okay. you, you did good on you for somehow answering those questions yeah. from the content that it was in this movie. The only other ones I had were... Like stuff we already talked about, like what the heck was the helicopter flying around all the time? And who was the guy that was supposedly the big bad at the end who just got shot in the head, I guess. Is that is he in the game? Is is there a Jingu in the game? There is, yes. But he is in it so briefly that even I forgot who he was. OK, so cool. Yeah. The guy in the helicopter uh, that you can fist fight with. OK. Fist fights are fun. Yeah. Um, did you like Majima? I guess that's the final thing, because I feel like he's this beloved character, and it feels like they were leaning on Majima hard. Yes, it definitely seems that way, yes. it's uh, He's just like a meme almost. He's like an ethereal meme, the character yeah. of Majima at this point. And I did enjoy uh, all the crazy and wacky antics he was up to. Divorced of all the rest of the stuff in the film, yes, thumbs up for me. I think I saw, I found the movie on uh, YouTube at one point. And one of the top comments was someone like with all the Majima sections timestamped. And he's like, here you go. This is all you have to do. Click on these and then you're good. (laughs) (laughs) Which, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because like I laughed at some of the stupid things that he was doing. Like uh, when the part that I Mm -hmm. will that will stick with me forever (laughs) is there's that scene in the hallway. Yes. And not the stupid baseball fight initially, but when he like you think he's gone. Yes. But he's actually not. And he creeps around the corner, but it's his it's his uh, eye patched eye. Yes, that he's poking around the corner. The corner. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like that sticks with me because that seems like that's in character in a way, and it's fun. Absolutely. And I laughed. And yes, I enjoyed it. It's crazy that the, all of these ridiculous things are somehow in character because that's just who Majima is, and they got that right. Yeah, thank God they got something right. Now, what I was curious about, so Takashi Miike is prolific he is like 100 more than 100 films at this point jeez really yeah he's and it's and it runs such a wide gamut he's made some of like 
like he's known as the guy who made like Ichi the Killer, which yes. is this very very bloody Yakuza movie. Um, he did like this horror thing for a uh, anthology at one point that was really well known as for being very weird and disturbing. Um, he did Thirteen Assassins, which always stood out to me as like this is like I really like it. Yeah. To me, in my mind, this is like this is a good modern samurai movie. Yeah. And I know you had watched that at some point. And did you? What did you think of that? I just like a quick aside here. I almost have a hard time believing that it's the same director who made both of these movies. Yeah, I don't understand (laughs) because yeah, uh, the what is it? Nineteen assassins. Nineteen. Thirteen assassins. Thirteen assassins. Yes, that movie makes sense, and like these plot points are explained, and there's there's bits of humor in there, but they're very intelligently and deftly placed where. Mm In this movie where this woman has her arms amputated, her arms and legs amputated, and she's just like this disturbing naked husk because this guy didn't want her to move and run away and struggle against him. So he lopped her arms off. And then the only way that she can communicate is by writing with her mouth. And it's this very disturbing scene that makes you feel Mm -hmm. really gross and nasty and really adequately depicts this bad guy and all the crap that he is capable of and what he has done to a human life in the same yeah. movie where they run across this horn dog in the woods who wants to screw all the town's women and then he runs out of women so he screws the guy who finds the women and <laughs> he goes oh yeah it's but it's it's so to me it feels like a very well-made movie yes like this is someone who knows what they're doing this is this is a guy who's making a movie he wants to rest his hat on kind yep. of thing. Yep. And then we get to like, cause he, he's, he obviously with a, with a hundred films in your name, you're making some schlock oh, and he's got yeah. like, like I mentioned like live action anime things. Yes. He's that's, that's his wheelhouse too. <laughs> he did the Jojo movies. Oh, really? They're about uh, this kind of quality. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's very hammy, very, very, not like a not convincing adaptation, yeah. but it's we it's so weird going from that to something like Thirteen Assassins, where it feels like this very realized, yeah, very well plotted, well thought out. Mm-hmm. Characters are hitting the beats they're supposed to hit. the The drama is dramatic. The choreography is like top notch, which I cannot say about Yakuza. <laughs> um, like it, it felt like a dynamic, strong film, and then at the same time, he's like, "Ah, here's Yakuza. I'm gonna cash the check and Kiryu's punching people <laughs> through fists." That fascinates and, me because in my brain, I associate you know like filmmakers with talent, and like this person has made a good movie immediately before, so this next one will probably be good. But it's insane to me if someone makes a hundred movies, how does a human being yeah. do that in one lifetime? Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, it's crazy. And I'm glad that you were able to squeeze in 13 Assassins because to me it is such a jarring transition to see that name attached to both. Yeah. That and Yakuza. But uh, so I guess at the end of the day, how do you, you feel the Yakuza movie is not very good? Yeah. I feel like we're pretty comfortable in agreeing that this is a not good thing. Yeah. Maybe Tucker but, will watch it someday when he watches movie adaptations of yeah. video games and then we'll get his take on it i was thinking about that <laughs> this qualifies he technically has to under the rules yeah <laughs> so uh you're welcome tucker Love this it. is on your radar this is on your radar now 
Um, so I guess the final thing we watch, and the only reason it's ta- it's tangentially related to the Yakuza series, because they re- it, you have to explain to me what is the the Fist of the North Star game like? Because my impression was it's just Yakuza, but with a, a an anime skin essentially. Yeah. Yes, that is almost exactly what it is, Michael. What was it like jumping into that with like no prior experience with Fist of the North Star as a like a property? It was bizarre. It was crazy because not only not only did I have the culture shock of going from a Yakuza video game, which is, you know, like historical fiction to crazy anime Mad Max, but (laughs) (laughs) the like just like some of the little mechanical tweaks that they made were a little different too. Like the way heat moves work are slightly different and the way Mm -hmm. that um, some of the combat plays out is a little different. They tweak some things. And so I was thrown through a loop and given some culture shock that I wasn't anticipating at all from the outset. So did you play this before watching the movie or were you able to watch the movie before you started? I was able to watch the movie first, thankfully. Okay. That's good. Thank you, Luke. What, yeah. What did you, what did you think of of because you're not a you're not you're not like a tried and true uh, anime guy. You're not. I don't get the impression that you're like. I don't. I don't get the impression you watch anime, Christian. Am, no. am I correct in assuming that? You're right, Michael. You got me pinned down. What was it like? Then what was it like watching? Fist of the North Star. It was, was nuts, like dude. You? Boisterous laughter despite me watching it by myself. It was a grand old fun, entertaining time. It's, yeah. I, having, even having that kind of like, that background, that, 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 yeah. Aw, shucks, guys, I watch anime kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was still like blown away watching this. Yeah. Like, because it, it's, it's not, I like like there's within like the first half hour. I mean, you've got a guy covered in mud, like karate chopping buildings in half. And, <laughs> yes, and and then like punching people, and then parts of their body start like doing this grotesque. Yes, swelling, uh, bubbling, and then they pop, <laughs> and it's like holy crap! Yes, they do actually pop, Tucker. This is not a fetish thing. There's blood everywhere. <laughs> Maybe it is a fetish yeah. thing, but not the one that you hope it is. Uh, yeah, I mm. Tucker. If it is, I uh, mm. <laughs> mm. 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 um, I mean, if you have a muscle fetish, this is also a movie for you. Oh my yeah, God. these like, guys are ripped. Oh. It's just, it's just like a movie. It's like they took Mad Max, amped up a bit of the goofy post-apocalyptic stuff, and made everybody like twice as large muscle-wise. Yes. If not three or four or five, or I think by the end, there's like these massive, like there's the massive troll guy who can turn his skin into iron or steel or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you watch it dubbed or subbed out of curiosity? I watched the dubbed version. What about you, Michael? Same. Yes. <laughs> which special, like the, the, the line from the one guy where he's like, oh, I've got a splitting headache yep. and then falls over yep. because he got hit in the face with an axe. <laughs> Like, oh my God. So good. Um, uh, this feels like one of those movies. I can't ever say to anyone it's good, but I I so loved being able to watch it. Absolutely um, agree. It's just so ridiculous and crazy and yeah. off the wall. And 
I don't like if you would have walked up and told me, you know, explained to me, hey, I want you to watch this anime or consume this anime film <laughs> in which people punch other people and uh, they only need to punch like once and they will swell up and explode. I would be like, oh, that sounds so anime. I don't want to I don't want to watch this Japanese crap. But having watched it, Michael, I'm very happy I watched this yeah. Japanese crap. Uh. What was, was there like a moment? Do you have like a favorite moment? What's it like your favorite moment oh, in this movie? Man. Cause I have one and I, I just want to hear yours first. I like the fights. I think almost every fight I found enjoyable. It's hard for me to pick one, okay. but I just like the dudes beating each other up. I love every time Ken goes <laughs> when he does all the fast fists. Cause that is something yeah. like in my brain that I always associated with like Japanese uh, anime fights, but now mm -hmm. I can actually map it to something in reality. Thank you, Fist of the North Star. There's. So, yes, the fights, because there's like they're insane because there's like one where the horse is flying with them. <laughs> um, there's I. Yeah. The one that stood out to me, there's this like dramatic moment where they're in the city and King Rao's got his Ooh. King Rao. Is, yes. is, he's in charge of everything. He's got Julia up on the, yep. the cross and. And uh, then Ray, the the silver haired, I think he's like a fist of the South Star yes. master. I think you're right. Uh, appears and there's this fight sequence, but what the fight sequence actually is is a lot of like Ray doing backflips in slow <laughs> yes. motion against like a psychedelic backdrop. Yes. While '80s hair metal plays, <laughs> and in between all of this, you get these like walking montages of Ken slowly yes. making his way to this city <laughs> and it's it's like this for like it's, it's like it's a full four minute yeah thing yeah incredible absolutely that's incredible totally there's a part towards the uh, beginning where ken kenshiro is just like walking and he's got this cloak on and then he just walks through a building while people are just standing there watching him i thought yeah. that was pretty phenomenal too the uh yeah yeah that's after he's like karate chopping buildings yes. as he's walking through and the one lands on top yes. of him but he just, <laughs> just keeps <laughs> walking uh, oh boy good times yeah i mean good it movie. doesn't the the one Learn frustrating thing fun. is that i there's no like context for how powerful that is or like i mean everyone will just stop and be like oh my gosh but like ken just walks around he's like basically one punch man he'll punch someone and then they explode and then he's done like where's how do you balance tension in that and i'm assuming this yeah. was fleshed out over the course of many issues of uh manga or many mm -hmm. episodes of an anime series yeah. And they squeezed it into this film where a lot of the highs and lows don't exactly contrast extremely well. And not a lot of that exposition that you might need to fully invest yourself in something like this makes sense. But boy, it's I can still enjoy when a guy punches another guy and <laughs> his skull just caves in and implodes. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good spectacle, I think, because yeah, I had a lot of the same issues. What kind of like what kind of stakes can there be if we're talking guys who can just punch another person and they explode? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they do kind of it seems like they try to balance that out in a way where you have some folks who can also do that or you have characters like like there was the one guy. Uh, his, I think his name is Jugi, the 
or Jigu or it starts with a J. It's his brother, the like really the guy with the helmet who's like a Mad Max character essentially. Yes, I know what you're talking and about. He, yes, they he like they do that flashback or something where I'm pretty sure he can stab himself in different ways with the fist of the North Star power yes. to prevent the the explosion mm-hmm. from happening. <laughs> but like it's not. At the end of the day, the impression you get is that Kenshiro shows up and people die. Yes. And that's about all. Like, there's no real threat to him. Yep. Except for this other guy who can do the same thing. And even then, it feels like such a slow... Mm-hmm. Like, you get to that fight and it's such... It's like a... Like, I think it's a minute and there's barely any time given to being able to really show that these are two guys that are actually evenly matched. They're just kind of punching each other and you get, like, those blood squirts just popping out yeah. all over the place. And it's goofy and insane but it's not like like you don't get that kind of tension you don't get that like oh my god kenshiro can die yeah totally and even though like the first few hour of the video game explains some of the things that i was frustrated with in the movie where like they explain that kenshiro uses a very special fighting style that uses pressure points and the way that he knows how to hit the pressure points is what makes the people explode it's not Mm -hmm. just that for some reason when he punches people they explode and when everyone else does they don't explode. Yeah. Which, yeah. But as far as movies go, more enjoyable than Yakuza. Yeah. And pretty good. Uh, pretty good time. I don't know. I thought it was. I would recommend. Extremely enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's not a long movie. It's like an hour and a half. So if you just want a solid dose of the craziness that you might hear is in Fist of the North Star. I think you do a lot worse than this movie. Yeah. And it gets right up on YouTube, I think, even, too. Really? It's, like it's right there. Yeah, it's it's really easy to get a hold Ooh. of. And it's just really, it's like a good, it's a good, it's a good hour and a half to just kind of sit back and laugh at, 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 at this, this stuff taken to some kind of hokey extreme. Injected into my veins, Michael. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's a good note to end on. I don't know. How do you, so I guess my question for you then at the end of all of this, looking back over the purple mountain majesties of Hanabi and the, the valleys of, of, uh, of the Yakuza film adaptation. And then that, that, that weird little place (laughs) off in the, in the corner, we don't talk about where, where (laughs) Kenshiro punches people to death. Yes. How you how you feeling about all of this? You haven't really. I don't get the impression. Like this was kind of new territory for you. Is the impression I've gotten. So at the end of the day, how do you kind of feel about your experience with these movies? Do you ever see yourself kind of going deeper down the well? Hmm. That's a any any interest question. in more yakuza films? Well, thankfully, Michael, you picked a couple of very good films in this lineup, and because of that. Knowing that there is like such quality Japanese cinema out there, Mm. knowing that like just really good movies in general happen to be Japanese Yakuza movies definitely makes me interested in seeing what else the genre or just Japanese filmmaking in general has to offer. And I deeply appreciate you taking me on this roller coaster ride, Michael. All right. I appreciated being able to go on this roller coaster ride. I enjoyed this. So I did too. Thank you, Christian, for joining me on this. Hey, maybe we'll be able to do it again sometime, Michael. Maybe. In the meantime, uh, I guess next week is it next week. I don't know how often they do these things. What is it? Every other day? Not every other day. Like twice a week. Sure. Okay. 
It'll be Carly and Tucker again. They'll put uh, the they pillows can... back on the windows. Yep. And get out yeah. with the Japanese anime bullcrap. Yeah. No more hijacking Tucker's podcast for anime. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good night, everyone. <laughs> put the pillows on the windows. Ha, 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 ha.